0: Again, I just want from my side to um, say thank you for everybody's prayers, for us as family, for you guys, um, yeah, just thank you. And We continue to pray for other people, there are many people that are sick, and many people who have lost loved ones, um, there are families within this church that I've heard this week where some friends, people I knew, uh, passed away suddenly um, with corona, and so we just come against fear. Because fear wants to grip people. Fear wants to grab hold of our nation now and say it's the second wave. We're going to lose more. We're going to go through. I want you just this morning, right there we see, we're going to just declare over this church and over this community and over our our government and over people, we're just going to declare the wisdom of God, not of the earthly realm, but of the realm of heaven. We're going to declare the peace of God that goes above all understanding. We'll just flood our nation. We'll flood our church. We'll flood our people. Is that okay? Let's just do that right now. Father, I thank you. We can just declare over our nation, we can declare over our church and over our people, your peace, Father. We can just declare right now in the name of Jesus, all fear will just be lifted right now in the name of Jesus. We do not fear the future. We do not fear a sickness. We love you. Lord, though we have faced. Some things, Lord, we know we have conquered. Though we've heard Goliath shout, we've seen him fall. Though we've seen the city wall, we've seen it crumble. Lord, we know that you are with us and you will never leave us and ever forsake us. I thank you for that, Lord, today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for our families. I thank you for our church members. I thank you for our friends. I thank you, Lord, right now. I just pray over them. Healing in the name of Jesus. Healing. that breathing restores now. In the name of Jesus. That depression that wants to come in with the sickness. Go now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for that Lord today. In the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Amen, amen. Bless you. Um, I just, I just want to say this. Is, and this is what we've got to pray against as well. There's a spiritual thing connected to the sickness. Uh, of depre- the, the, the thing of depression. Um, and hits you when, when this thing comes upon you. So there's like this demon that follows this thing. I'm going to be honest, it's a demon, it's a spirit. Uh, though there are, we are in seated in heavenly places, we're faced with some stuff here in the natural, and we've got to win. We've got to beat that thing because of where we're seated, not from where we're at. But it comes with it, and a lot of people get attacked by this thing, that they go into a deep depression, because, and the spiritual stuff that, was, uh, that comes with it. Um, my mom was, I'll, I'll share this now, um, and I want to share it later in the live service, but um, you're recording now. It's okay, it's okay, you can record, don't worry, it's not a major thing. But um, two or three nights with the, the whole thing of my dad, um, this demon came into the room and, and pulled her out of bed, um, and things were just... Crazy with stuff like that. I'm not sharing this to make you fearful. I'm telling you that there is an attack, and we've got to be vigilant from our side. Just going and saying no, I'm not going to stand for this. God is good. God is our Father. Uh, I want to thank everybody for their prayers because it comes with this thing. It's not said. It's not like a, just a normal flu. There's a spiritual thing that comes with it, and we've seen people that have fallen to this thing that have just uh, stuck in a in a in this deep depression and. And encouragement is the greatest thing. I want to say thank you for encouraging us. But encourage others too. I try for everybody that I know that's sick, calling them, messaging them, saying, come on, you, you're going to get through this. God's with you. Um, I want to thank you for those ones. Not just the words. I, people send prayers. I want to just thank like JD just sending me prayers. Just like Sean, this is a prayer. Listening to that prayer. Denise did the same. Let's take that place. In doing that for others around us, just say, come on, you are seated in heavenly places. Don't get stuck in what this natural is. Let's go to the spirit, uh, in the spiritual place where you're higher than that thing, higher than that situation. Is that okay? I'm, I'm not sharing that to make you fearful. I'm sharing that to encourage you. So let's stand strong. We're still children of God in the earth. We're here on this planet, and we declare God's presence. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, the second wave has been, has been a massive, but I see it as a giant that's shouting out to say, where is your God now? Uh, yes, we've come through the first one, but we will get through the second one. We will see the church triumph. We will see people survive and we will see God's wisdom come through. Um, yeah, I just felt I wanted to share that with you. Um, so this morning I just want to continue a little bit on the, or what I started on Christmas Day. The spiritual versus the natural. We are at a place and a turning point in the church of God where I believe of what it means to walk in the spirit and what it means to be naturally minded. Not from a, 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 a place of works. Because you so easily can feel that I'm stirring you to work harder to be more spiritual. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, yes, there are actions applied to it where you've got to cut some stuff out. If you want to get fit, you've got to go out, put your tackies on, and run. It's as simple as that. If I want to get fit in the Word, what do I got to do? i got to read the Word. I've got to spend time in the Word. I can't just visit the Word. I've got to live in the Word. have got to find what that is. I, I love the statement, that I read years ago where it says visit books but live in the word it's nice to read a book There's great books out there some great speakers and authors and people that are listening but that's not the word it touches on the word getting the word and apply the other books to that uh, listen to sermons great what that is but apply that sermon to your life and 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 that's why get a notebook make notes go and read If you've got a great memory, fantastic, go home, remember the scriptures, go read it again. Do something with what God's given you and put into your life and apply it to your life. And you're going to see some great things happen. If we look back at the time of Azusa Street, there was a man, uh, Mr. Seymour, who pursued after the glory of God. He wanted the supernatural. He pursued it. He was fired up for what that was. And we saw a mighty outpouring of God. We saw men like in the Welsh Revival, Evans. uh, We saw these great men of God do wonderful things in their time and the restoration of something unto a generation. The Anabaptists brought back baptism. We're a church that did not baptize anymore. Baptism was restored and massive baptisms since happened. The Holy Spirit restored at Azusa Street in the awakening of what that was. And we see these different awakenings that have happened throughout history, but there is a new awakening happening right now that's different than the other. There's similarity because there's an awakening, but it's different. It's different than what was been before. Because we cannot continue from one decade to another decade doing the same thing. We can't be that, And that's not talking about technology Technology is awesome. We've got awesome technology. Things are going. Church is now online. People can do online stuff. People can connect. You can watch a sermon every single day. You can spend the entire day listening to multiple sermons to us, to other people. You can connect to anyone. Technology is awesome. That's not what I'm talking about. Because that's where the church thinks we're going. We're going we think we're better in the technology department. We think that's not what the glory of God is. There's a spirituality That comes with walking in the Spirit. That I believe when we read Acts 17, when Paul declares, in him we live and move and have our being, is something that is different to this generation than it's been to another generation. I grew up in church. I've seen mighty works of God before in my life. I've seen massive miracles happen. I've seen people get saved i seen a man set free from demonic oppression who was trying to run out the church and the power of God hit him. He was trying to jump through the door halfway through the air. Power of God hit him. He flew back into the building. I saw that as a little boy. Saw the power of God. But there is a newness of what God's doing now that none of that has been seen before. There's an awakening to the words of God, the life of it, and what it means to pursue Him. If we look at a story and we read, and, and, and it was difficult for me to like kind of capture something in just in a few minutes that I've got to preach today. I, I was spending the last two days since Christmas, like even through Christmas, like, Lord, what are you going to do on, on Sunday? I, like every scripture was jumping at me. I was trying to like, okay, this scripture connects to this one and that one there, and, and I'm spending hours just just. And it's just jumping and jumping. And I'm overwhelmed. And I'm listening to worship. And I'm like, no, that's too much. And then I start writing. And I'm six pages in. And I'm like, you know, Lord, I'm going to keep these people till tomorrow. Like, there's so much I want to talk about. And then, not because I have something to give. No, the Word has something to give. And the Word itself by the Spirit is shouting, Take me.
1: Eat me. Hear me.
0: You know, Next year, it will be 20 years of, for me in full-time ministry. My, my dad, 40 years in, in what he's been, probably 30 of those have been in ministry, 40 years of being saved. You can have different stuff about where you're at. Um, if I have to count the amount of sermons I've preached in my life, whether to a small crowd, to a big crowd, to a Wednesday night prayer service, man, there's hundreds of sermons hundreds of sermons, hundreds of times that I've stood up and maybe thousands of times that I've stood up and preached the Word of God and seen God do stuff. I can go by a natural ability and an understanding of what it is to preach a a sermon. I know how to work a sermon. I know how to work it out. I have the basic understanding of what it means. Some of us that are here that are preachers, we do understand that. We can do that, but that is not the thing that the Holy Spirit is requiring right now. It's not about bringing a nice sermon that's going to make you feel good, that's going to make you feel like, wow, okay, that's good. The Bible does that. But my objective is not to get you to feel good. Annalise was here, and she was preaching, and as she was preaching, there were some people who came up to us like, whoa, we just understand, understood nothing of what you were saying. <laughs> and I'm not talking about you visitors, none of you that are seated here. I know some people chatted to her, and I chatted to her, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about others. There were some unsaved people. Yeah, the guy said, I've never heard so much nonsense. And I'm like, excuse me? You've not heard what? Because there's depth, and I'm not saying every sermon should be three hours. I'm not saying every sermon should be that deep. But there is a call of the Spirit unto a group that would say, I have an ear and I want to hear. I can absolutely feel the Holy Spirit speaking now, and it's not me because this is, the intro was not what I planned. (laughs) When we read the parable of the sower, it is the word goes out. Same word. It doesn't say like, um, this seed that I have here, yeah, that soil doesn't look too good. This seed is not very good seed. We'll throw it in that soil. Right? It's the same seed. It's the same seed, and it's thrown out to all. You determine the soil of your heart. When when something is sown, you determine the soil. The word, your finances, the application of it, you determine what is said to you. And if you read the parable of the sower and it goes through that, you determine what that word does to you. By your belief and your openness to hear. So whenever I feel like I'm listening to the Word and I've gone through like halfway of what the person is sharing and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like shutting off to what they're saying yeah. because my mind starts to run. I go in my spirit and I go, whoa, stop. This is Word. I've got to listen. Awake spirit. Come on, take it in. You've got to be ready for this. What is being said? Because the Word produces life. Every time it is spoken, it's life. Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. My words are spirit and they are life. It doesn't have to be understood completely in the moment you hear it. But when you say to your spirit, spirit take the word, immediately the seed is planted and the word itself will produce. Because the word is sent out like the rain that falls and it's sent to produce something. It cannot return void. It cannot return void in your life. It cannot return void when it is spoken. I don't know if I'm going to preach a second time like this this morning. I feel like God's saying some stuff right now. So when, when the word is going, I've got to get myself ready. Like, hey, this word is being spoken. What am I doing with it? Am I receiving it? Whoever is speaking it whether Peter's getting up for an offering, when we have the reverence for the Word in what we produce as the soil and what we set our hearts to, the soil will be that good that every time the Word falls in it, it will produce. It will produce because it is spirit and it is life. Jesus stands before them and He says, You will never thirsty and never be hungry. How does he connect that? He connects that in the same essence of when he speaks. So when he speaks, there's words of life. What do you choose? You see, the, the context is, is, we were taught this way, and I realized we were taught wrong, and, and even myself, I've got to apologize, because I, I taught from a place where we have choice. You do have choice. You do. You have a choice to say yes. You can say no. But God did not bring you the choice of that. And I'm going to quantify that and keep on talking about that from a place of obedience because he talks about obedience within the word. He says, I put before you life and death. If you feel like it, choose life. Did he say that? He said, I put before you the tree of life and the tree of death. You choose which one to eat. Did he say that? No. He said, there are two trees in the garden and every other fruit bearing eat. of everything you eat, but do not eat of this tree. Don't. He didn't say you have a choice to eat of the tree. You do. But in his context, there's no choice. It's only obedience. He comes to Mary. and says, Mary, you will bear. (laughs) What is the response? Yes, Lord. He doesn't say, Mary... I need you to go fast about this, pray about this. Um, If you feel like it, and you really feel good, and you've really built yourself spiritually up for this moment, that you're going to be pregnant without a man. (laughs) You're going to go through this whole pregnancy, and (laughs) you've got to travel to Bethlehem, and you've got to take every prophetic of what it means, and this very son that you will bear will be the one who will carry the world's sin. He will be ripped to pieces in front of you. Your heart will be walking outside of your body. Did he put any of that before her? No, he just asked her one question, and he, said, and he said to her, you will bear, you have found favor. This is the word over your life. This is the context. We have taught a church that comes to a place where we have not walked by faith, but we're walking by the very context of emotion. We walk by sight. We walk by what we feel. Now we feel like giving. Now we don't. Now we feel like serving. Now we don't. Now we feel like going to church. Now we don't. Now I'm angry with Jesus. Now I love him. Now I have faith. Now I don't. Come on, I, I'm, I'm not throwing myself out of one side. I'm putting myself one side with this. I'm asking the question as a church, as a pastor of a church, as a leader of a movement that says we have got to get something. There's a maturity in 21 that God is calling his body to, where the word itself is calling out and saying, do you believe me? Dave said this a few years ago, and he said, do we believe what we believe? Those words were powerful in the moment, but the revelation as it progresses, because revelation is always proceeding, it's always growing, it's always moving forward, of what do we believe? What do I believe with what I say? When we read in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus is sitting, this is such an old scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But what is the context of John three sixteen when he talks about being born again? Nicodemus could not understand how he could be a full-grown man, go back into his mother's womb, and be made brand new. Jesus says to him, the things that I've just revealed to you are earthly. But there is more, and if you could not even understand being born again, how would you even understand the very context of the heavenly things? Paul then comes with revelation in Corinthians, and he says the natural man cannot, cannot cannot understand the spiritual things. He has no idea. That's when Jesus comes and he says, I am the bread of life, eat me. They say, this is a hard thing. We cannot listen to you. And they leave him. Peter gets revelation of who Jesus is and he says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. If you're trying to understand and walk it from a fleshly point of view, you will never be able to fulfill this. You will always fall short. You will always fail. You will always be distracted. And you will always be anxious. We will never see the glory of God because it is revealed from the Spirit unto. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was Spirit. The Word was Christ. The Word was God. The Word was not just the natural understanding of what I just read here. It's Spirit. And from the Spirit it is revealed unto us. It's life. My words are spirit and they are life. So every time I'm hearing it, I'm applying it to the Spirit. I'm taking it in the Spirit. I'm being woken unto it. And, and the sermon title is, Who Touched Me? So when we go to Luke, Luke 8, I haven't even read anything yet, but I hope you're getting something. Um, Maybe we can go there quickly. Go to Luke 8. You know when... listening to where we're at, uh, looking at um, different stuff that are happening across the world right now, uh, things that politicians are doing. Listen, whenever you've put your faith in a politician or a political party, they will always fail because they're not God. So you put your faith in that. and Now, let's go back in the time of Jesus. There, if they had put their faith in a king who decided tomorrow, like, hey, let's kill all the babies. You how's that? How did, how did, where was their trust? Go back to the time of Moses, how his mom had to put him in a, in a little basket and actually take him, down put him in a river to where's her trust? If we put our trust in what natural things can be, when the very context of Scripture has always been our trust in the Father. It's always been spiritual. It's always been God, and it's always been how he is. We start living very natural. D- Dave shared this a while ago, um, actually from the book, The Rest of the Gospel, talking about the pendulum. And, and what happens is, there, if the, pe- the pendulum was so far into religion, that when grace came, we brought the pendulum back to bring the grace understanding. And what happened is, the pendulum flew so far left into grace, because there was no truth and also the the, the prosperity gospel, it went so far that it had to be brought back to bring the balance of what the Word is. So what is the balance of the Word? Jesus Christ. He's the balance. It's the cross. There is no add-on if you read Galatians, especially Galatians. When Paul is explaining this, he says, when you started in the Spirit, stay in the Spirit. In Philippians, he talks about, as you have received Christ, so walk in Him. How did I receive Him? By faith. So how do I walk in Him? By faith. By belief. By what it is. So when the pendulum had swung this way, um, the prosperity gospel was so preached so hard because there was a poverty mentality in religion. So do we go back to poverty? No. But do we live in a place where our God is mammon? No. Who is our source? Father God. So the prosperity gospel was, look what I drive, look what I have on my arm, look what kind of flights I am in, look like hashtag blessed. But that's not the, the reason for blessing. He said, Abraham, I will make you a blessing. I will bless you to be a blessing unto the nations. That's the the full reason. So when we we see that penalty, it's being brought back by the Spirit, and the Spirit does it. It's not us trying to correct it, and, and by jumping on every single statement that somebody makes, or trying to be angry, or trying to tell this guy's wrong, and that guy's right. That doesn't matter. Let's follow Christ. He didn't make us a bunch of sheriffs. He made us children of God. I'm going a little off track here, but I'm... I'm trying to bring back to the context of what it means for us in this season to be led by the Spirit, to be led by faith, to b- have that understanding of what it means to be blessed from that perspective of what grace was at. So when we get to Luke chapter, Luke chapter 8. Um, no, I'm sorry, that's not where I wanted to go. Yeah, it is Luke eight. Look at Luke 8. Yeah, verse forty. That was right. So it was when Jesus returned to the the multitude, a, a multitude welcomed him, and they were all wanting from him, all waiting for him. Sorry, um, and behold, there came a man named Darius, now listen to the first part of what the scripture is. And, th- and that's when you start reading to try and grab something out of scripture. It says they were all waiting for him. There was a multitude waiting for him. I'm going to say that again because it needs to sink into your mind here. A multitude waiting for him. And behold, there came a man by the name of Jairus and a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus and begged him to come to his house. And he had uh, uh, had only a daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Uh, But as he went, the multitude thronged him. So we see that this multitude was waiting, absolutely engulfed Jesus. Everybody was pushing against him. Everybody was touching. Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. There was an expectation. There was people there they were grabbing hold of him they wanted something from Jesus they were waiting to I want you Jesus I want it, I want something from you now it's interesting in this moment Jesus hears Jairus and wants to go to Jairus's house There's many people there but yet Jesus hears Jairus I don't know what that was in that moment of what, why jerry got his attention? Attention, or what it was about the maybe it was the severity, maybe that was something there. I don't know about what this is, but there's an interesting part that goes on here. It says now, woman having the flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all her livelihood um, on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. She only touched his clothes. She just, she could not even get to, to him. She could not have an audience with him. She could not chat to him. She, could, she was that physically weakened. She pushed through. She went and just touched. I know we've all heard this scripture. I know we all know this and the, the power of the scripture, pushing through, being part. But listen what happens here to this. It says "Yeah, I came from here and touched him. Uh, the border of his garment, and immediately, immediately, immediately a flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, (laughs) listen to it. When all denied it, Peter and uh, those who said, Master, the multitude thronged and pressed, and you said, who touched me? But Jesus, somebody touched me and I perceived power flowing out of me. Listen to what had happened here. Yeah. Jesus is walking. Everybody's pressing him. They were waiting for him. Jarius comes. I don't know how could Jesus goes. He says, to My daughter, Jesus, I'll come. This very context, a woman comes, she touches the hem of his garment. He feels power flowing out of him. He says, Who touched me? Just remember what Peter just said. They all say, they all denied it. We didn't touch you. this, This doesn't make sense, right? Because Peter then goes, Lord, everybody's been touching you. He says, no, there's a difference. There's a difference. Somebody touched me differently. Everybody was waiting. Everybody was touching him. But yet one woman came and touched the hem of his garment, not even his body, and power flowed out of his body into her. You know, there's so much of what is being preached. But yet the word going out, when he says, my words of spirit and life has got to fall into into soil that you say, I'm touching him. I'm touching him this morning. I'm touching part of what this is. I'm grabbing hold of what this is. Everybody can hear, but you determine what the soil is. You determine, she grabs hold of the garment. Twelve years she's been waiting to be healed. Twelve years, in a moment, he touches his, w- and, p- and power flows out of him. I don't know, because it's interesting, is that when he asks the question, who touched me, everybody denied it. I don't understand those, those two. They were waiting for him. He asked, I would have said, if it was, like, it was me, I touched you. Can we, can we talk? I'm the one. No, excuse me. Jesus, yeah, it's me. It's Michel. What is the man at the gate? Beautiful. Not the gate beautiful. One of the gate, at the gate, David's gate. I think we, we, I remember what gate it was. Which goes, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind. He hears Jesus is there. He starts shouting. They say, keep quiet. He starts shouting more. I hope you're getting this. He starts shouting more. Jesus. I'm not going to keep quiet. Jesus! Yeah, still the character. Sorry. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Woman pushes through, he grabs the hem of his garment. When she touches him, power flows out of him. A woman comes to the well. woman comes to the well she's at the well and she has an encounter with jesus a whole world changes and what does he reveal to her he says i'm looking for worshipers who will worship me in spirit and truth she says she says jesus or man whoever you are we samaritans have a church down the road yeah that's what we worship you guys are, you're uh, you you are white, I am black. You, you, you are colored, you're South African, I am the, she, she goes into the natural. All he goes, he says, uh-uh, spirit and truth. My words are life and they are spirit. My words are spirit And that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He says, you can eat in the natural or you can eat in my spirit. It It will touch your flesh. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead will quicken your mortal body. We walk by faith and not by sight. In him we live and move and have my being. Paul says, I count everything as dung. Account everything is done compared to knowing him. Nothing of it makes sense. I don't care about any of that. I care about him. That's a difficult place to be in when you take the first step. Because you are saying that your joy is in him. Right? It's difficult when it gets tested, if that's true. Is your joy in Him? Is your faith in Him? Is your trust in Him? Is it really that? And it's being tested right now across the world. Is our trust in Him? Is our trust in our businesses? Is our trust in our governments? Is our trust in our children? Is it When we haven't seen it, do we still keep believing? When it feels not, doesn't feel right? When you pray and you pray and you pray and the pain doesn't leave you, do you still walk by faith? When you pray and you pray and you pray and you still wake up the next morning feeling sick. When you pray and you pray and you pray, what do you do? You go into the Spirit and you continually take from the Spirit because that is the one where the Word is at. My words are Spirit and they are life. So I've been doing this study on glory. Just go quickly with me in Philippians. I want to end with this. I don't want to share too much. I, I want us to stir in your spirit and the Holy Spirit to do the rest. I basically have just given an introduction, so I, I, I'm not going to pr- keep on preaching. Don't worry. Uh, but what God's been spe- speaking to me, what the Holy Spirit's been speaking, is, is just too big to, to just go on in one sermon. That's why I started on Christmas Day. That's why I'm going to continue down this line right throughout the rest of this year because there was a word given to us. And the word was Second Chronicles 20. And we prophesied it over this year and we've been praying for seven years on 2020 and I, and I carry my golf ball that, that J.D. picked up in the middle of nowhere, return to Vision 2020. God speaks and I listen. I said, Lord, you spoke. I'm seeing the... Romans 1 says there is no person in this world that is without excuse. Nature itself speaks of God. So there is the natural things that will preach unto you that you can then declare as spiritual things. When we see things that are not, when we see something happen in the natural, we go like, oh, but there is a Bethlehem star that hasn't been seen, but as yet has come into this time period that was revealed right now. Just the prophetic round about that is profound. Why do I see that? Do I take numbers and do I see things? Do I turn it into spirit and believe it? So, Philippians 4. Thank you, Jesus. I love verse from verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord on Sunday. I think I found the key to glory. I think, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I found it in the last couple of weeks. God's been stirring things in my heart and, and I want to give it to you this morning. When we talk about glory, we've got to understand when God's glory comes in, when God's glory is manifest. there's a difference between the fact that you have the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of glory. Let me explain it this way. When a, a sports team wins, when, they just, when they're on paper, they look beautiful, right? Have you, have you ever said that? Like this African cricket team, on paper, wonderful. When they start playing, not that wonderful. <laughs> a little joke. <laughs> On paper, there's all the stuff. They shoot the ad. Everybody's coming out. They look beautiful they look wonderful. When does the glory happen? On the ad? On the build-up, On the singing of the anthem? Or when they lift the cup? When God's Spirit is in you, it's glorious. But the glory comes when the Spirit moves through you to the potential of what the Spirit is and truly of what the Spirit is. We can just leave it right there right now. The, the very context of the Holy Spirit in you is not glory yet. It is when the Spirit moves to what it is, but the potential of what the Holy Spirit is, that glory is manifested. So as individuals, we've seen some glory. But as corporate body of God, we have not seen the glory of God to what it is. Never, Never. Not in any generation. Now I've been around services where I've seen God's power move, but we have not seen the fullness of a full body of Christ operating in the fullness of what it means to be spiritual and sons of God. Because when we see that, the glory of God will fill the earth. And as it is in heaven, so it will be on earth. We have the Spirit of God in each one of us in earthen vessels. And we access it like the same as just starting the car or just driving it in first gear and we've seen a little healing there and we've seen a pain leave there and we see a miracle when, when, when we prayed for, for something and we receive it. There's been a, a moment of glory. We've had some glorious moments in this church but we have not seen the fullness of the glory of God fill the earth Before Christ comes back, the glory needs to fill. The glory needs to fill the earth. We ain't seeing the coming of God. We ain't seeing that ever going to happen unless the glory of God. Because as it is in heaven, so it needs to be on earth. And the fullness of the Spirit in you, 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 Each one of us needs its time. That's why we're not just by coincidence for the number 21. This decade is a shift of mindset. This decade is a change. This decade is the word. The decade of the spirits. The decade of maturity. The, de- the next 10 years, we are going to see the awakening of the church. We're going to see the awakening where the glory of Mammon will fall before you. It will fall and the glory of the sons of God will rise. I think I found a bit of the key. Maybe it's just the first one. I don't know. Four says, rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul says, again, I will say, if you have a choice. Does he put choice into this? No. He says, Leslie, rejoice. Again, I'm saying, rejoice. Let the gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand be anxious now he doesn't just say that and and not give you he gives first he says rejoice always again i say rejoice walk in gentleness be anxious for nothing but in everything by what prayer and supplication where's your key prayer he says first rejoice then he says be anxious for nothing and then he says hey but where's the, where's the application? Where does it happen? Prayer life. Prayer life. My anxiety rises when my prayer life is shortened. The absence of prayer is the increase of anxiety. I'm just going to say it for what it is. Absence of prayer is anxiety. You switch a light off, darkness fills it pretty quick. You turn the heat off, there's cold. Anxiety is only there because your prayer life is not where it's supposed to be. And that's not from a place where I'm trying to get you in works. I'm just saying that's where the place is. It's prayer. Listen to what he says here. and I'm, I'm, I'm rushing to end this. But in everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. That's it there. Holy Spirit, with Thanksgiving. Where's my prayer? Thanks. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the gifts that are with me. I heard T.D. Jakes preach this in the week, and he said the following, Christ was a gift to the world. Who are you a gift to? Christ was a gift to the world. He was the son of God. What are you? You're a son, so you're a gift. Who are you a gift to? Am I living as a gift, or am I living as one that wants to get the gifts? Am I living as a gift? I'm a gift to you, brother. You are a gift to me. And when I understand that, I live in thanks. I do not look at you at your past mistakes or at the things you are doing right now. I do not speak about you in that way. I only speak about you as good. I want to just say one thing. Stop talking about people. Stop talking about, hey, did you, did you know, what, was, what was wrong with Janelle today? what was wrong with Janelle today? I don't know, she didn't greet me that well. I, I don't know, maybe she's, I'll, I'll let me talk about Janelle today. I don't know. Shut up! Why are you talking about somebody? No, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm just saying that, uh, I'm just obvious. No, shut up. The Bible says, uh, I'm going off tr- topic now, but I'll pitch on this another day. If you open your mouth to any part of the body, you are affecting yourself. You're affecting yourself. So if I say anything about Him, I say anything about Him, I'm affecting me because I'm part of the same body. It says, in, when He talks about the communion, it says, because you do not discern the body, you're all sick, you're all falling asleep, you're all dying, you're all weak. Just shut up. If I can't come to you straight and say, hey, w- Leslie, I see you're not feeling well today. Can I pray for you? Then I'll just talk to him straight. But I don't go to Peter. Peter, you know, Leslie doesn't look right for me. It's not like him and Shemaine. I've seen them arguing a little bit. Peter, come. Let's talk. Me and you pray for him and, for him and Shemaine. I'm very concerned about him and Shemaine. Shut up. I say, Peter, come with me. Let's go to Les. Let's go pray for him. Les. I feel in my heart we need to pray for you that stops it right there and I'm just coming apostolically this morning and I'm just I'm just aligning if you cannot say anything good about a person actually just stop talking about people it's not scriptural you are affecting the body of Christ and you're creating gossip shut up just keep quiet. No, I'm concerned. No, you're not concerned. You just want to gossip. Just keep quiet. What? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just, I just feel in the spirit, we got to kill this thing, Peter. We get into a place. That's the, that's the thing to kill the anointing. It's a thing to kill the revival. Listen what you should be doing. Even if if I see Peter today in the words and he treated me so badly, he never does. But if I let's say he does, he does treat me really. He, he, he treats me badly. You know what the scripture says? I know no man after the flesh. Second Corinthians five seventeen. So I will declare what I want to see in Peter. You know Peter is a phenomenal guy. God is using him in spectacular ways. I speak about his calling and not about his natural. I speak about what God's doing in his life. And I say, he's a phenomenal man of God. He's been called by God. He walks in the thatches of God. His wife is blessed. He is blessed. His family is blessed. I speak what he says. The Bible says, washing of the water of the word. That's in Ephesians when he talks about a husband and wife. So what do you speak about your husband? What do you speak about your wife? Declare who they're supposed to be. Not what you're seeing. And if you do have a problem with what you're seeing, go directly to the person and say, Hey, Peter, I have a thing. Can I talk to you about that? You sort it out right there. I'm just feeling the spirit we need to handle that. She says, with thanksgiving, you know what's thankfulness? Thankfulness is the key to glory. Thankfulness is the key to glory. We want to see God's glory fill the earth. We want to see, I'm thankful for the gift. I'm thankful for Jesus. You know, we've, we've become a place where we stop stopped being just thankful for the fact that we got saved. I was listening to a song yesterday, a new song that's come out from the guys from, um, from Maverick City. Whew. Remember, it says, look to him. Do you see Jesus? Do you see him? Do you see him? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, isn't just about, do I truly see him? Who he is? Peter, what do, what do people say? Who do they say I am? What did Peter say? You are the Messiah. The son of God. The lamb that was slain. Do you see him? John chapter 3. Like the snake was lifted in the desert. Jesus was lifted. All who beheld him received life and none died. Do we see that Christ? Would I see him just as the God of of the life after death? Or is he life to me now? How do I see Him? Who touched me? Who touched me? Verse 7. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And the peace of God, and I know the Spirit is speaking this morning. I can feel that there's such an anointing in this place. And the peace of God that surpasses all. Un- I do not understand one bit of this moment, but I see Jesus. And the peace of God that surpasses all my understanding. Stop trying to understand it, just obey. I found too many people who are trying to understand things from the natural, when my understanding is just knowing Jesus. I just want to know Jesus. But, Sean, all these things about the devil, I have no care about what the devil is doing. I see him, I hear him, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. There's this conspiracy and there's American politics. I got caught up in that a little bit in this, this time. And I, and I repent this morning. I was being stupid and idiotic and the spirit of stupidity hit me. Gone. Done. I just want Jesus. I want to know Him. I want to see Him. I want to know His Word. I want to know who I am in Him. I want to walk in Him, live in Him. I want to understand Him better. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the future is for this nation. I don't know where God's taking this church. This isn't my church. This is God's church. This is God's ministry. This is God's nation. My family belongs to Him. My finances belongs to Him. I don't know what that is. His peace surpasses my understanding. I hold to that because it pulls me out of my understanding. And then I can read Romans as in the God of peace will crush Satan under my feet. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's going to happen like that. I don't know if I'll have a family or not. I don't know if I'll have children or not. Come on, I'm just being honest with you. I don't know where that's at, but I've given it to Jesus. Lord, you're the one, you're the supply. That's where it's at. Thank you that you are my God, you are my source. I don't know what this church is going to do, what God's going to do with the kingdom and kingdom network. I've given it to Jesus. Lord, it's yours. I want to know Jesus and Him. That's it. He's everything. Do, do you understand? Jesus is everything. Yeah, but, 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 no, no, but, Jesus is everything. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's my end and my beginning. He's my end and my beginning. I look at my parents, and like, they're getting older. Things are like, wow, this thing's not in place. That thing, Lord, you're my beginning and end. Look at the nation. They're shutting down things. Lord, you're my beginning and end. I look at you. Lord, you're his beginning and end. This is for this church. This is for our life. This is where we're at. Let's get all the rubbish away from us. Let's push on to Jesus. Let's push on to Jesus. Let's grab hold of the hem of his garment. What do I see? Just him. Just him. Let's get rid of the stuff that we... I don't have to preach. The Holy Spirit's already preaching to you. You know that already. He the end, he says, yeah. And it will guard your heart and mind. Someone will say it will guard your heart and your mind through who? Christ Jesus. How's your heart and mind guarded? Christ Jesus. How's this mind kept in place? Jesus. Where's the anchor for my soul? The Holy of Holies. That's what Hebrew says. Where's the anchor? Why? I need an anchor for this soul. This thing gets crazy, man. Come on, you 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 walk in the natural. Where is it going in the carnal stuff? Crazy. Look at this. You're busy. You're lying there at night, wondering. The quickest thing you can do is put this flippin' thing away. Switch off that TV the stuff outside get into the word get into peace get into prayer father i thank you i thank you thanksgiving the glory fills the room the glory over your children the glory over your wife lord your glory is in this house your glory is in my car your glory is it i don't care what you drive i haven't got a car showing the glory is in my walk the glory glory it's in prayer Just sit here this morning, right there where you're seated, Holy Spirit. I give you everything today again, my whole life, my attention, my obedience. Whatever you say, Holy Spirit, I will do. Whatever you do, Holy Spirit, I will do. Jesus, you're my shepherd, you're my alpha. You are my Omega. You are my beginning and my end. You are my father. You are the lion of Judah and the lamb that was slain. You are everything. You are my author. You are my brother. You are my father. You are the lover of my soul. Oh. Thank you that you use everything for the good. Thank you that you truly are my shepherd and that you lead me and that you guide me. Thank you that everyone in this building this morning, glory. we thank you for your presence. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I thank you for the cross. Thank you that you saved my life. Thank you that you have me in the palm of your hand. Thank you we can have church. Thank you for every person in this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you, Thank you, Jesus. 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 Just listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit.
1: I don't mean to add to anything, but I just feel so impressed to share this. Many years ago, I asked God the question, I said, Lord, your word says, and the scripture that Sean read this morning in Philippians, not to be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to make all your wants and needs and requests known to God. And I said, Lord, why is it that when I pray, and Sean touched on it this morning, and it's like, it it's the, it's the key, and as weird as what it would sound to the natural mind, but that key of thanksgiving, and I asked the question, I said, Lord, why is it that I'm always concerned about my future? Why is it because, you know, I become anxious about things years ago. I said, but yet I pray, and yet I still find myself in this. Constantly being anxious, constantly being concerned, constantly being worried about the tomorrow, yet your word says do not be anxious about the things of tomorrow. And I had a dream, and I dreamt I had this huge hamburger. And in the dream, I was trying to feed somebody with this hamburger. And as I was trying to feed this person with this hamburger, I I became aware that this wasn't just... A person I was trying to feed God with this hamburger. But as I was trying to feed, it, it, it's like everything was just falling to the ground. Everything was just falling to the ground. And I woke up, and I was shocked. Why would I dream something as weird as that, trying to feed God with a hamburger? And I worked around with that, just mulling it over my spirit. And in time God just, by spirit revealed it, the whole dream to me. He said, your problem is, you're trying to commune with me without thanksgiving. And I want to share that this morning because it mustn't fly over our heads. I'm not big on keys, but that's one big key that I've learned in my life. It's thanksgiving. In every situation, in every circumstance, at all times with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, Go read Psalm 136. David starts with thanksgiving. His whole prayer, he ends with thanksgiving. And then to top off, go look again at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21. Right to the end. He got the singers together and they gave thanks. And only after that episode was the battle won. And then they got to the valley of Barak, which in Hebrew means blessing, which means thanksgiving.
0: Come on. I know God's speaking to us. Go allow the Holy Spirit to take what Peter shared, I shared, what things. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak it to you in this next few days. This is significant in the next few days because we're moving again from a year to another year in this week. Seek Him this week. Spend time with Him. He's going to bless you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being here. Hope the Word stir in your heart. Have a nice cup of coffee. And uh, we'll see you New Year's Eve. Peter, thanks for that. Bless you, guys. Love you all. Thank you for coming today.